0: Father, we just want to thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Let it do what your word does. Let it bring illumination. Let it bring revelation. Let it lift burdens. Let it destroy yokes. Let it position us, Father, to fulfill your plans and purposes here on earth in the name of Jesus. And together we say amen. Amen. We've come out of 21 days of fasting and praying with the theme, the overflow. Today, I want to um, talk around a topic I have titled, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. Um, I will start today, I will try and finish it off next week. Um, the overflow of the Holy Spirit. If there's anything we should desire in terms of an overflow, it surely must be the overflow of the Holy Spirit, the overflow of the Spirit of God. And you know, it has always been God's plan that everything that we do is done in His Spirit and by His Spirit. From the beginning of creation, we get a picture of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, very actively involved in creation right at the start. The Bible paints this picture of the Spirit of God in Genesis, the first chapter and the second verse, brooding or hovering over the face of the earth, over this chaotic mass, waiting to go into action to create the ordered world as we know it. We see Him, the Holy Spirit, the creative, dynamic expression of God. The picture is of him waiting expectantly to go into action to do God's command. And that's exactly what happens. He goes into action, this creative, creative dynamic personality of God, and begins to order out of that chaos the ordered existence, the ordered world that we know today. But it isn't just at the beginning. As we look through the Old Testament, we see example after example of the Spirit of God. And all the examples are the Spirit of God in action. The Spirit of God, the dynamic Spirit of God. The Spirit of God going about, bringing to pass God's plans and purposes. The creative Spirit of the Most High God whether it's with Joseph as he gets wisdom from the spirit to know what he should say to Pharaoh as he interprets Pharaoh's dreams or whether it's Bezalel and Uriah those gifted craftsmen given skill and ability by the spirit of God to work curious works as they constructed as they constructed the tabernacle or it's Joshua being set apart by the spirit of God as Moses' successor to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And of course we have the graphic picture of an ordinary, ordinary, ordinary gentleman, Samson, being given supernatural strength by the Spirit of God so that he kills a lion with his bare hands. Or Gideon being empowered by the Spirit of God to destroy The altars of his father, the altars of Baal, the the altar that was dedicated to the worship of other gods. Or the Spirit of God coming upon the prophets or coming upon David. Even in their own testimony, we hear them testify that this work is surely the Spirit of God. We hear David say in 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter and the 2nd verse, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and His word was on my tongue. We understand that that book of prayer, the Psalms, was inspired completely by the Spirit of God. We hear the prophet Ezekiel declare in Ezekiel the second chapter and the second verse, Then the Spirit entered me when He spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard Him who spoke to me. And we can trace it through the entire Old Testament, example after example of the Spirit of God in action as he enabled and empowered people to bring to pass God's plans and God's purposes. And when the prophet Isaiah starts to prophesy and speak about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 700 odd years before Jesus was actually born, He speaks about the role of the Spirit of God in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Isaiah, the 11th chapter, verses 1 and 2, this is what the prophet says. He says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out from his roots. He was talking about Jesus Christ. And then he says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He was saying that a Savior, a Messiah is coming. He's going to do some amazing things. But those things are going to be done because the spirit of the Lord rests mightily upon him. And when Jesus eventually comes and announces his public ministry, He he confirms to us that all that he will do is by the Spirit of God. And I'm sure you know the story in Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter from the 16th verse. He went into the temple, the Bible tells us, uh, into the synagogue as was his custom. And as was the custom in the synagogue, the the book was given to him to read. And when the book was given to him, he turns to a place that has been that was written by the prophet Isaiah and this is what he says he says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord then the Bible says he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all of them who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? He was saying, this is my mandate. This is why I have come to the world. This is why my father has sent me here. To preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But he was also saying quite clearly that these things that I am here to do, I will only do them because the Spirit of the Lord has enabled me, empowered me to do the work. And if Jesus says, I need the Spirit of God to do the work, the Spirit is upon me. That's why I can fulfill my purpose, fulfill my mandate. How many agree with me that it goes without saying that you and I need the Spirit of God to be able to fulfill God's plans and God's purposes? And you know, that reading, uh, that encounter, that, the what took place at the synagogue. It puts into context for us what Jesus himself says about the Holy Spirit. You know, the challenge with the church today is that we have neglected the Spirit of God. We accept in our minds that he's there. We say it even when we say our prayers. But if the truth be told... Whilst we accept that he's there, we accept easily and readily that he's part of the Godhead. No no one here would deny that. That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But if the truth be told, he's not active in our lives the way God intended it to be. This is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. John the 14th chapter. Verses 16 and 17. Uh, and permit me to read this from the Amplified Classic because it just it does that, it amplifies it. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another counselor, another helper, another intercessor, another advocate, another strengthener, another standby, that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take into its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. At that point in time, he wasn't in them, because Jesus was still there with his disciples. But once Jesus died, and once he was resurrected and went up to heaven then for you and I who are followers of of Christ, the privilege we have is that this Holy Spirit, this Spirit of God, takes residence in us. But you know it is possible for someone to live in your house and for you not to have a relationship with the person. It is possible for someone to live in your house and for you not to see the person for days, weeks, and months if you so desire. It is possible for someone to live in your house who has the solution excuse me the solution to all the challenges and problems that you fa- you face but then somehow you just ignore the person because you're caught up in the business of life and i think that's the bane of the church jesus says i will ask the father this is towards the end of his ministry he's preparing to go to heaven and so he's preparing what he will leave with those who are on earth, the disciples then and those of us who would come after to ensure that we can deal with life, that we can fulfill God's plans and God's purposes. So he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. And I love the Amplified Version because it breaks down that word comforter. It says another Counselor." Of course we know what a comforter is. Another Counselor. And how many times do we find ourselves in places where we need counsel? And how many times have we sought counsel from men, but the counsel from men has not solved the problem? Isn't it an irony that we are looking around for counsel, and the ultimate counselor is resident in us, but because we have ignored him, sometimes not intentionally, we don't go to him for counsel. Jesus says, it doesn't matter how complex the problem is. I am going to put a counselor in you. This counselor is actually God. It's actually the third expression, the third part of the Trinity, the Spirit of God in you as your counselor. He says, I will give you a helper, someone to assist you. That that assumes that, that there are going to be situations in life where we will need help. And he says, whilst men might be able to help you in one way or another, I'm giving you the ultimate helper. I am putting myself in you, God is saying, to assist you through life. He says, I'm giving you an intercessor, someone who can pray on your behalf, stand in the gap on your behalf. And you would agree with me that there are times when we don't have an idea what we should pray for and we don't know how to pray. Isn't it wonderful that there is one with us, put in us, that can help us in that time of prayer, to intercede, to stand in the gap in prayer on our behalf. Isn't it amazing that we have this person in us and yet we still allow him to live as a stranger in the house that our heart is. He says, I will give you an advocate, someone who will speak on your behalf, someone who will tell you what to say at the right time. You can never be tongue-tied If you are leaning on him, because he is the ultimate advocate, he says, I'll give you a strengthener, someone to pick you up when you're weary, when you're battered, when you're overcome, when you're overwhelmed. I will give him to you to be your strengthener. Supernaturally, strength will come that will lift up your weary soul, your overcome soul, your overburdened soul, because Jesus knew. That to go through life, we are going to face circumstances when life seems to have overwhelmed us. The antidote to that is the strengthener that resides in us. And the, my favorite expression of him is that expression standby. I will give you him as a standby. The standby is a catch all, it, 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 it takes care of every single thing that is not included in all the others. That it just gives the picture of someone who is there with you on standby for anything that will come your way that seeks to stop you from fulfilling God's plans and God's purposes. Can someone say amen? And it's worth celebrating the Spirit of God. And He gives us an assurance that He will remain with you forever. It's not a relationship That is going to break down in the sense that it's there for a season. And then he's going to pack his bags and go. No. He will remain with you forever. He lives with you constantly. And then he is in you. In you. That's his home in our hearts. And of course we understand from this that he is a person. He's not some abstract thing he's a person and for a lot of us this is the obstacle we have to overcome good Christians Christians who are Bible believing following God but somehow in our minds we simply can't overcome that obstacle that divide that somehow puts us on this side of him being a person. It might be the word ghost, and it might be how culturally our minds have have been shaped to think of ghosts. For the moment you mention ghosts, our minds instantly think willowy and floating around. In fact, if I said ghost, most people would say Casper. At least people of my generation. Something in a... Like In a white sheet floating around But this is no white sheet It's no abstract thing This is a person He is God He is as uh, He is as much God As Jesus or the Father is He's no less God than them He is a person He has intelligence He has feelings He has a will He has emotions He talks He can be grieved He is substance even if he's not material substance. He might not be matter, he is a spirit, but he's still a person. He's as real as the person sitting next to you. Our minds, by the grace of God, somehow has to embrace this truth. Because when we do, it changes everything. When we understand that this is a person... He can be saddened, he can be vexed. He's sensitive, he can be grieved. He thinks. He talks. And you know, once we begin to understand that, then it puts into play the concept of friendship with this person. And I wanted to talk about that for a while. The concept of friendship with the Holy Spirit. Because that is foundational to us walking with the Spirit of God. And if you look at the scripture I just read, John 14 verses 16 to 17. The Passion Translation of that scripture says this. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of Truth. Who will be to you a friend just like me and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside you. The Passion Translation says that Jesus says he will be to you a friend just like me. You will have an intimate relationship with him. A friend, just like me, he was speaking to his disciples. They'd been with him, they'd slept with him, they'd walked with him, they'd served with him, they'd done ministry with him, they'd sat under him as he taught. He'd built a deep relationship with them. A deep bond existed between them and him. And he said to them, "Just as I am with you, just as I am your friend, I need. I'm going, but the one we send." will need to have this same kind of intimate relationship with you. This same kind of friendship. The message puts it like this. I will talk to the father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him. doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and he will now even be in you. And what is the Bible saying? The whole thing about walking with God centers, walking with the Spirit of God centers around friendship with the Spirit of God. Of course, it naturally poses a question for you and I in 21st century London can we say, that the Spirit of God is a friend. Can you and I, with our hands on our hearts, say that the Spirit of God is a friend? If we're truthful, of course, we will acknowledge that we know about the Spirit of God. We know He's part of the Godhead. We sing about Him. We might talk about Him. We've read about Him. And now and again, He is invoked into our prayers. But can we truthfully say that the Holy Spirit is a friend? And you know, it's a concept that is not outside anybody's realm of thinking because we all have friends. I have some great friendships. I'm sure you have some. How many people have some good friendships here? Let's see your hands. Yeah? Okay. The the rest of you, you have terrible friendships. I will pray for you. Pray for you. But most people have great friendships. Friendships that are rich, that we enjoy, that bless our lives, and we can be a blessing as well. Can we say truthfully that the Holy Spirit is a friend? Now you might then ask, what are the yardsticks by which we measure friendship? This might help us to take this decision and then help us if the decision, of course, if the answer is no, to, determine to build a friendship with the Holy Spirit. What are the yardsticks of a good friendship? Number one, of course, would be intimacy, a closeness, a close friendship, that, that people are deep, that, that there is some depth to the friendship, that there's an intimacy to the friendship. You know, um, when, when I teach uh, people who are before they marry, I teach them how to handle relationships. I, I say to them that there are basically three levels of a relationship. Um, there's a level where, where you are an acquaintance with the person, yeah? You're aware the person is there. The person exists, you know. You acknowledge the person exists. Do you know some of us are still at the level of being an acquaintance with the Holy Spirit? We know he exists. Of course we know, we're good Christians. Who would say he doesn't exist? We sing songs to him. You know, we, we pray in his name. You, we ask him to do things but he's an acquaintance you know when he's an acquaintance an acquaintance you don't really know an acquaintance neither do you know the acquaintance's ways you know so that's how some of us are so we see certain things and we say that must be the spirit sometimes it's not the spirit that that someone is shaking does not mean it's the spirit of god that someone fell does not mean it's the spirit of god that someone speaks in a certain whispering voice does not mean it's the Spirit of God. No, because if we don't know him, and then I start to say to you, the Holy Spirit is here. I say, the Holy Spirit is here. Most of you, if we, most of us, if we don't know him, we're going to think, well, Pastor, is right. The Holy Spirit is here. But you never know. I mean, what if he's not here? Because he's just an acquaintance. And then sometimes we move from being an acquaintance to where there's a friendship. At least the friendship starts. But you know where we're heading to is where there's an intimacy. Where we are intimate with the person. A depth of relationship. We know the person. We we, we know the person's voice. Once we hear, we just know that's the person. The relationship is that, that deep. You know, talking about knowing the person's voice, uh, th- this morning I was, uh, was driving to church. Now, we, we, we were in, in, in Lagos in Nigeria two weeks ago, and we had the 25th anniversary of the church for, for those in Lagos who had helped us plant the church 25 years ago. And believe it or not, my, my wife Shola's phone was stolen in the event. You know, Lagos, they can steal Moses' rod from Moses. <laughs> It was so annoying because we walked up to the platform to do something. By the time we came down, her phone was gone. So I'm sure some people have been trying to get in touch with her. We haven't got a new phone. We should pick it up this week. She's got a new phone with a strange number, but she'll get her back her SIM card and her number this week. So I was driving to church, and usually on the way to church, she leaves before me. She's more organized than me, more disciplined, more together. So she leaves before me, and I'm kind of rushing out. God will deliver me from the rushing to, to try and catch her. So I will always call on the way to say, how are you doing, where are you? And usually I'll call once or twice if I'm not praying in the car, once or twice before we get to church, the 30 minute drive. So she'd gone for a while, and then of course I didn't call. And the reason I didn't call was because I couldn't remember this new number. It's a strange number that she has, very strange. All the digits are strange digits, I can't remember. Her other number she's had for 20 something years. So I know that number. But this one, just a strange number. So I'm driving the car, um, and my car phone goes off. And it's a strange number. Now, my car phone is one of the most closely guarded secrets that ever existed. Because my car is like my haven. And the thought that everybody will be calling me on that number, I just can't handle it. So there are not more than 10 people in this world who have that car phone number, including my siblings just who have that number. I, I don't want anybody calling that number. In fact, it's funny because initially when I got the number, I didn't want to give it to all my siblings, so I gave it to Chizo, But I didn't give it to my, one of my sisters, Chioma, because you know she's the one I, I talk to probably the most. And I didn't want her calling me when I was in my haven. I just want to be alone and kind of be in the zone with God. So one day, I needed to say something important to her. So I called her my car phone as soon as I called her, she said, I got it, I got it, I got the number, because the number showed on her, on her screen, and I thought, I'm going to change this number, but I never did anyway. She has, she has the number. So, this number flashes on my screen, strange number, strange number. So, I'm thinking, who on earth has this number, apart from the, kids, the children, you know, my wife, the siblings, one or two, a f- few friends, who, who has this number? And so... I put on that voice. You know that voice when you want to scare the person on the other side, drop the phone, I don't know you. Say, hello? So in, in saying that, she says something, but she says it so quickly and I'm thinking, whose number is this? So my head doesn't calibrate. And I say, who's this? And she says, Agu, you don't know your wife's voice. I started explaining. I was just explaining, no, I know your voice, I have know your voice always, I really love you, I really care for you, I really know your voice, I can never forget your voice, you're very special, you're fantastic, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you are great, I know your voice, you're not just my friend, we're intimate, I know your voice, I know your voice. But why, why, why do I tell that story? Because she was shocked that she said a word and I didn't know it. And why should she be shocked and I didn't know it was her? Why should she be shocked? Because she was saying the level of intimacy we have, you should just hear an alphabet and know that it is me. And why is that the case? Because of the level of intimacy. I should recognize her voice. And I do 99.9% of the time. I just was thrown by this strange number that came on. The question that that poses, Do we recognize the voice of the Spirit? Are we intimate enough to know that this is the Spirit speaking? With the cacophony of voices, with the multitude of voices that are speaking to us, are we able to discern that this one is the Spirit of God? Because we've built an intimate relationship with Him. Are we always at a place where we are so confused? Is this the Spirit is this the devil? Is this myself? Or is this that movie that I watched yesterday that is speaking to me? And unfortunately, if we're truthful to ourselves, we haven't built that intimacy where the voice of the Spirit of God is clear because we haven't done that with the characteristic of a friendship where we are intimate with the friend is not there. What are the other things that are characteristics of a good friendship? That, that quality time is spent with the friend. Quality time. And that really is the bane of the church today. That we simply don't have time for him. Let's be truthful. Because to develop a relationship, you have to give it time. You've got to spend time And not just any any other time, quality time to develop a relationship. It's the investment of time that leads to such a relationship. You think about any of your friends. The friends that are closest to you are the friends that you spend quality time with. The kind of time where, in a sense, you shut out everybody and it's you and this friend. You know, I have a friend who... Um, his wife is here, so (laughs) I'm going to embarrass them a bit. I have a friend who's a very good friend of mine. We've known each other for 30 whatever years it was. And we have a great friendship. It's a very comfortable friendship. It's like wearing an old pair of shoes. In fact, my wife teases me and she says, that's one of your most, in fact, she said, that's your most comfortable friendship. It's very comfortable. We don't put any stress on each other. You know, we just don't pressure each other. And the children, inshallah, especially years ago, used to tease me a lot about this friendship because it was just strange to them. I said, what were you guys doing? I said, we were just swimming. I said, well, both of you in the pool, we were just swimming back and forth. Then after swimming, we just chatted. I said, what do you do after that? I said, we went to have a coffee. Just said, two, two of you, just, don't you have anything to do with yourselves? I said, after the coffee, well, we just, we just, what do you do? We just had a coffee and just talked. What do you talk about? Anything and everything. We just talked. And this friend of mine has got a boat. And so in the evenings, we would go out on his boat. And we'd get somewhere, we'd go out a bit. And then his, the captain would lower the anchor. And we'd both sit there. He'd have a drink, I'll have a drink. we will just talk to each other. We talk about all kinds of things, some serious, some banter, some laughter. We laugh at people a lot. We laugh at ourselves. And then he would fall asleep, and I would fall asleep. And the, the captain would leave us, just two, two men, just fall asleep. And after about 30 minutes or so, he'd wake up, or I'd wake up, would wake each other up, and then we'd go back. And my wife was like, you guys are straight. You, you just fell asleep. You didn't have anything to say. Said, no, no, we spoke a bit, and then we just fell asleep. We are very comfortable with each other to the extent that we don't have to talk all the time. Just being there is OK. We have said what we have to say, and we just fall asleep. Over Christmas, we would go out to there's a little cafe in Lagos. The wind is lovely. It's near the sea. So we would buy drinks at the cafe, eat a sandwich. And then he would put his head back and sleep, and I would put my head back and sleep. But it's, the, it's a comfortable relationship. It's a deep friendship. It's such a deep friendship that we don't have to, talk to be talking to each other. We are just there with each other. The Holy Spirit, if you don't give Him time, you can't build a relationship with Him. You can't do a rush job with the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to know Him by giving him 10 minutes or 30 minutes of your quiet time every day, he will still remain an acquaintance, somebody who's living in a room in the house, but you really don't know him. You have to devote quality time to him. If you uh, you ask anyone who has a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, they will tell you it took the investment of time. He really has to become the priority. And then what's the other thing with a relationship? Sensitivity. That you're sensitive to your friend. That you kind of know what irks them. That you notice a slight change, a little almost imperceptible change that most people wouldn't notice, but you notice because of your friendship. You know, Shala said to me the other day, she said, it's so obvious to me when you're irritated with something. And something had happened. But I was was congratulating myself that I had handled it well. I didn't show my my intense irritation. I just kept it smooth, kept the smile, kept the face. She said, So I said, how do you know? She said, it's just something that I can't explain. She said, I'm not sure whether it's a little twitch in your eyes, whether it's the way you purse your lips. She said, something just happens, and I know, oh, my god, he's irritated. In fact, he's angry. And she said at that point she starts to pray that it doesn't go into what it shouldn't go into. But how does she know that? Because there are people sitting around me and they can't tell. She knows that because she's sensitive to the little nuances. I like the way the dictionary defi- defines sensitive. It says quick to de- detect or respond to slight changes, signals, or influences. Quick. Quick to detect or respond to slight changes, signals, or influences. Another definition says, having or displaying a quick and delicate appreciation of others' feelings. And you know, the thing with the Holy Spirit is that I actually wish that he would be a bit more assertive and announce himself, announce his anger, announce his irritation. Then that way I can quickly respond. But how many know he doesn't do that? You just realize that he's no longer, he's no longer st- standing next to you like he was. He's kind of taking a step back. It is, happens in such a subtle way that a lot of people try to do what they would have done. So like, like Samson, he got up and tried to shake himself as usual. And then realized, hang on a second, it's not happening how it was happening. Because the power had gone. The enablement had gone. The ability had gone. The spirit wasn't there. Now, for you and I, he's going to be with us. He's not going to leave us. But believe me, there's a difference between standing at the front door and retiring into the attic. And when you grieve him, he retires into the attic. He's no longer at the front door to open the door when any stranger comes. Because somehow we haven't noticed, we haven't been sensitive to know that he's been grieved. And you know, it's amazing what grieves him. Anything that is not holy grieves him. It's incredible. He's called the Holy Ghost. You can be watching a movie that you think is okay, but he doesn't think is okay. And that's it. He just goes from where he was sitting with you in the sitting room in your house and goes to the attic. Just simply because of that movie. You know, I'll make a confession. Last night I had a conversation. Conversation with my friend, Pastor Gandhi. It wasn't a bad conversation. It wasn't a terrible conversation. It wasn't anything vulgar. Don't look at me like, what was Pastor talking about? It wasn't anything vulgar or anything like that. But it kind of wasn't the conversation that I should have and that he should have. But we had the conversation. And I'd spent the last three days just with the Holy Spirit in a way I've not been before probably my entire life. Probably my entire life. Just being around him, you know, just listening to music around him, listening to teachings of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's funny how, I'm not condemning all of us today that are pastors, but it's funny how there are pearls of wisdom that you don't find readily available that you find with the preachers of old. So I was listening to Derek Prince and um, I'd listen to Lester Sumrall and listen to Catherine Coleman, um, of course, Miles Monroe. You know, and, and you know, I was just in this zone, just enjoying the spirit of God, enjoying him. And so we have this kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We shouldn't have had it. And I go to sleep at night, and I just can't sleep well. I'm tossing and turning and tossing and turning. And finally, I wake up about three. Three thirty, and I just can't sleep. I tried to put together the, finish the, put together the message, but I just know there's something wrong. And after a while, I just know what it is. So I say, Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I should not have had that conversation. The conversation had grieved him, and he had stepped back because he's sensitive. He is so sensitive. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The the, the Amplified Version says do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Don't sadden him. There are certain places you try to take him into and he says, no, 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 no. And it's It's not that there's anything wrong in that sense. I mean, come on. This is 21st century England. Everything goes. So it's not like there's anything wrong. There's certain conversations you can't have. And the people might not even understand, but you know. If you're sensitive to him, you know instantly. There's a little nudge, a little prompt. You suddenly realize that he has stepped back a bit. There are certain things obviously you can't do. You can't do them if you want that friendship to remain. And of course, the last thing is that you talk to your friend. You have deep, profound conversations, but you also have light banter. You have a laugh. You know, we should ask ourselves, when was the last time that we just had conversations with the Spirit of God? Just talk. Just talk about life. Talk about where you are. Just ask questions about things, about Him. Just serenade Him. You're not doing it as a build-up to the list that you're bringing to Him. You're not doing it because it's 10 minutes of worshipping or reverencing the Spirit to, to be followed by 30 minutes of God, can you do, God, can you do, God, can you do. Nothing wrong with that. God expects us to bring our needs. But now, if it's a real friendship, there are times when you come and there's no list. You're not asking for anything. And when you ask, then the other person does it because it's not a constant. It's not constantly bringing this list, this list, this list, this list. It is just wanting to be in your presence, just wanting to know you, just wanting to enjoy you, just wanting to get more intimate, wanting to build a stronger relationship. And when we see what Jesus says about the Spirit, it drives the point home. And let me go through this very quickly. What does Jesus say about the Spirit? He says in John 14, verse 26, but the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. We can't continue to be the church that thinks it is still how it was. Jesus says it has changed. He says that was our plan. It was in dispensations. There was the dispensation of the Father. We saw it in the Old Testament. It was the Father who was leading. He was in the forefront. There was the dispensation of the Son. We saw it in the Gospels. Jesus came and literally, physically walked the earth. But as Jesus comes to the end of his ministry, he says, things are changing. We are entering a new dispensation. He says, my Father is going to send him to you to represent me, Jesus says, in my stead, on my behalf. So we can't continue to bypass him. And and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. He is there. I'm sure that's how it must feel to Jesus when we ignore the Holy Spirit and we are calling out to him. And Jesus is saying, look, the way we've worked it out, I am there, but I am there in him. You don't have to come to me like this. I am now seated on the right hand of the Father in intercession for you. I have given you my name. I have shed my blood for you. I have given you my spirit. Walk with him. And he says he will cause you to recall all things. He will remind you, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. That's what he does. He helps us remember things. How how come the scripture came to you at that right time? The Spirit of God helped you remember it. How come you read it two years ago but you forgot it? The Spirit of God helped you remember it. How come suddenly you remembered something that you had forgotten completely? The Spirit of God helped you remember it. How come you misplaced the key But then you were wondering, where on earth is this key? And then you turned around and said, Holy Spirit, can you help me find this key? And bang, it suddenly comes into your mind. The Spirit of God. That's what He does. And He says again in John 16, verse verse 7, He says, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. This is mind-blowing scripture for me. Jesus was saying to the disciples, you don't get it. You better pray for me to go. It is profitable for you for this next dispensation. It is in your interest. It is expedient for you that I go. So then we should ask ourselves, why is he saying that? And he he gives the answer in in, in the next sentence. He says, because if I do not go away, if I don't go, and guess what? The disciples would have wanted him to stay at all costs. Don't go anywhere, Jesus. We've had a fabulous three years. You simply can't go. Jesus says, you don't understand the plans of heaven. The way we have worked it out, I need to go. My time is up, my time is over. If I don't go, I'm staying here outside my time. It's in your interest that I go. He says, because if I go, if I don't go, then the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate... The intercessor, the strength that the stand by, will not come into close fellowship with you. What was he saying? For this next stage, to fulfill God's plans, God's purposes, to achieve what God wants you to, to deal with the challenges of life, it is critical that you get into a close fellowship with the comforter. And if I don't go, he can not come and go into that close fellowship with you. Jesus says, I have to go. Because the next dispensation is you and him. And it is to the extent that you are in a close fellowship with Him that you will go through whatever that dispensation throws at you. Think about it. There are so many challenges we face in life. But do you know how God wired it? How how this thing is rigged for us? God put Himself in us so that Himself, He can tell us about the challenges we are going through. You know, if I know that I'm going to go through this thing and God has told me that I'm going to overcome this challenge, then how many know that it kind of changes how I deal with the challenge? Because I know that at the end, I win. God has told me. It's not just that he wrote it and thank God for the written word, the logos as it is called, but that written word has come alive by his spirit and he has put it in my heart. So I have two witnesses that confirm that I am going through the word and the spirit I am going through. But then the spirit has to be in a deep relationship, intimate relationship. We have to know how to hear him so that he tells us that. See what he says in the 13th verse of that scripture. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. There's a lot of deception going on in the body of Christ. It is expected in the end times. There's a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I was saying to them in the first service, to make a church work, you don't need the Holy Spirit. No, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You just need a, 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 good, a good band, good instrumentalists. They don't even have to know God. They just have to be technically competent. People with good voices. They just have to know how to sing the right songs. Most of us won't know if the Spirit is there or not. We just The song is good it can appeal to our emotions and some people think the emo- an appeal to the emotions is the spirit of god not necessarily it doesn't have to be you don't you don't need you don't need to have a a preacher that preaches by the spirit of god no I mean, what's his name? Anthony Robbins doesn't preach by the Spirit of God, but 7,000 people go to pay, they pay 1,200 pounds to go and listen to him. 7,000 people pay 1,200 pounds. I'm thinking, man, 3,000 people come to Jesus' house. They don't pay two two pounds to me to come and listen to me. And I think I have a bit of the Spirit of God on me. So you don't have to have the Spirit of God on you for for people to to come and listen to you. No, you just have to be a great motivational speaker. You just have to be articulate. You know, you just have to know how to communicate. They teach these things how to communicate. They teach you how to move the crowd. You have to have the Spirit of God to, to do that. You just have to know how to work a crowd. You just have to be a bit clever and know what to do. You don't, you don't need the Spirit of God to grow a church, no. You just have to have great organization. Just send the right number of buses to pick people up from all over London. Your church will grow. Is the Spirit then? Not necessarily. You just have the money to get the right number of buses to pick people up from everywhere. You don't need the Spirit of God for a church to grow. But then a New Testament church that is going to transform lives and transform communities and bring about the kingdom of God here, that has to have the Spirit of God. It's not articulate preaching, it's anointed preaching. It's not, ati- it's, it's not singing with great voices. Thank God for the, for the great voices. Thank God for the peaches. Thank God for the, um, the, the whatever it is called, the, what do you call those in the scores? And the, and the keys And thank God for all those things But if it is not anointed I will listen to it I will leave church My problems would have multiplied It is only the spirit of God That can bring a song That touches your heart And breaks the yoke And lifts burdens It has to be by the spirit of God It's the spirit of God That makes a bus pick you up And you enter the bus And you suddenly feel you're in the presence of God And yet it's just a Jesus House boss. Yes, it's a regular Jesus House boss, but the Spirit of God has ensured that His presence is there and you encounter Him before you come into church because the Spirit of God is there. It's the Spirit of God. But you don't need it if you just want to grow a church that doesn't change people and doesn't change a community. And when you have the Spirit of God, you can never be deceived because the Spirit of God is telling you as you're watching that thing, this is not of God. And there are some things that are of God that are unusual. And the Spirit of God is saying to you, It's not usual, but it is of me. He says, And He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come, that will happen in the future. Why are we so desperate for real prophecy? Because a lot of the prophecy that we are giving now is without the Spirit of God. So people have to kind of just put it together. A lot of this prophecy, you know, is going to rain, you know, is it going to rain in London? I can prophesy that. I prophesy it's going to rain next week. I can prophesy that. It's going to rain. This is London. More likely than not, it will rain. We're looking for real prophecy that really shows things to come. That really tells us of the future because the Spirit of God has revealed it to the prophet. It is impossible for us to live this life, fulfill God's plans and purposes, go through the challenges that life poses without the Spirit of God. It wasn't designed any other way, but for us to overcome, for us to go through, for us to stand in life by the Spirit of God. And you know, the power that we crave can only come by the Spirit of God. Every other thing is fake. It's a counterfeit. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He knew that they were going to have a challenge to preach this gospel. They had a hostile audience on all sides. They didn't seem to have enough resources materially. How were they going to touch the whole world? He said to them, don't move. Don't do anything. Just go and wait there until the Spirit comes and gives you power. Acts 1 verse 8. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of a powerless church. I'm tired of trying to persuade people about Christ. I want the Spirit to convict people as we speak about Christ. And if we will allow the Spirit of God, that's what He brings to us. The enablement, the ability, the empowering of us. He brings the wisdom of God. He tells us of things that are in the future. He reminds us of things. He reveals things to us. He guides us. That's how we're supposed to live. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And you know, let's be truthful to ourselves. If he has been an acquaintance, tell him that I I kind of got this whole thing wrong. I haven't given you the, the place you should be. I haven't I haven't opened up this house to you. You're in there in some room, but I haven't allowed you to have have, have the run of this house. If you're not used to talking to him daily, then tell him. You know, I, I, I kind of have neglected you. And I want to change my ways from today. I want you to be central to everything that I do. I don't want to grieve you again, vex you or sadden you again. If you don't have a deep and intimate relationship with him, then tell him. You know, he's a person. He wants you to talk to him. If you've never talked to him before, well, now is as good a time as any to start talking to him. So why don't you bow your heads and then talk to him? And you know, for some people, it might be a bit embarrassing to speak out because I always encourage people to speak out. I, I say don't speak in your mind now. You know, talk to him. Talk to him. Verbalize it. You talk to your friend. You don't speak in your mind. Your friend doesn't look into your mind, even though he can read your mind. But talk to him. Just tell him that, you know, I, I, I want a deeper relationship with you. I, I want to c- come back to you. And then maybe <laughs> there's someone here who's been doing something that they know has grieved him. Then tell him, I know this I did has grieved you. You know, for the next few minutes, I just want you to have a conversation with him. He's a person. He's been waiting for this conversation. I can tell you that much. He's been waiting for this conversation. So why don't you just talk to him? Just tell him. You know, tell him that, yes, I, I, I kind of, I work with you, but I've been challenged to a deeper relationship with you. I, I, I want to, you to be central. I want the agenda to be yours. I I want to lay down my own purposes for your purposes. I want to learn to just be with you without having a wish list. I I just want more of you. Go on, can you you talk to him? Can you talk to him? Go on, talk to him. Just have a conversation one-on-one. He's there anyway. He's there with you. Have a conversation one-on-one. Holy Spirit Sweet Holy Spirit Sweet Holy Spirit Sweet Holy Spirit Come come Holy Ghost Come Holy Spirit Please come Come Spirit of God Please come Come Holy Ghost Please come We're hungry for you, Holy Spirit. We're thirsty for you, Holy Spirit. We break out of the restraints, Holy Spirit, as we open our lives to you, Holy Spirit. Please come, Spirit of God. Fill us afresh, Holy Ghost. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit Oh, we drink of you, Holy Spirit We drink of you, Holy Spirit Come, Spirit of truth Come, Holy Ghost Come with your power, Holy Spirit Come and strengthen, Holy Spirit Oh, bring a word, Holy Spirit bring a revelation Spirit of God show us Holy Spirit paint the picture Holy Spirit oh come Holy Ghost oh Spirit of truth please come oh Holy Ghost please come we commit to waiting on you sweet Holy Spirit, we can do nothing without you. We are nothing without you. Oh, Holy Ghost, please come. Mando oh, Mandura Mandua. ai mai e ado Zuraye ke ando manke shale. O que a Ari mandele, ari ari ani ari la la. Ya le le bo, curra, de, 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 de. Of life, oh please come, come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost. We bless you, Holy Spirit. Come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost. If you will open up your heart, if you will open up your heart, the Spirit of God wants to do a work. Go on, just open up your heart. Holy Ghost, 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 come, Holy Spirit. Do what you plan to do, Holy Spirit. <speaking in Spanish> Holy Spirit, 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 Holy Holy Spirit cup your hands, come Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, touch your son, touch your daughter, sweet Holy Spirit come, 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 Spirit of life, Spirit of truth, come, 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 if you're thirsty, why don't you just let God know that you're thirsty for His Spirit? Just let God know you're thirsty. If you're tired of life as it is, why don't you let God know? You, you're asking for more, more of Him. Gone, on, gone, on, Holy Ghost. Oh, help us. Oh, help us. Help us, help us, help us, help us, Holy Spirit. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Holy Ghost, please come. Holy Spirit, come, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Come, come, Holy Spirit. we for. Oh, we're hungry, we're hungry. We're hungry, we're thirsty, we're, 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 we're thirsty. We're tired of the mundane. We're tired of the mundane. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, we long for. Oh, Holy Spirit. But why don't you just press in It's an individual thing Why don't you just tell him Commit yourself to a, a new relationship A new walk with him And let your cupped hands Represent a heart that is Ready to receive from him Oh, Holy Ghost Oh God Oh God Oh God Oh God God. Spirit of life Thank you heavenly Father Father we bless you We exalt you oh Oh help us to reorder our priorities Help us to reorder our priorities, so that our focus is on you, so that we give time to spending time with you. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lift the burden. Give a clear word. Show a picture. Bring a revelation. Holy Spirit, oh God, oh God, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord.